Hi everyone, Joe here, and I want to take a moment up top to thank everyone who has listened to Still Unknown so far. And I want to let you know that I have another podcast that I co-host with a dear friend of mine, Allison, and it's called Joey and Allison Mental Health Warriors. In it, we discuss, you guessed it, mental health. Allison and I are not shy about our own struggles with our mental health, and our purpose for doing the podcast is to let those who listen know that they're not alone. Now, I will say that the two of us are not experts, but we're two people just like you who want to make a safe space where we can be open and talk about our struggles. You can listen to Joey and Allison Mental Health Warriors wherever you listen to Still Unknown. We hope to hear from you and above all, wish you happy mental health. Hey guys, my name is Miles, and I am so excited to tell you about my true crime podcast, Forensic Miles. My co-host and I investigate the cases covered in every episode of Forensic Files. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? Let's find out. Check us out on Instagram at Forensic Miles, Miles with a Y, or listen on Spotify or Anchor. See you there. Christy Jo Nichols was a loving 22-year-old mother to her two young children. She was also trapped in an abusive relationship at the hands of her husband, Mark. She had been taking steps to leave him with her children when on the night of December 10, 1987, the couple left their two children with the babysitter while they went out for the night. By the next day, Christy Jo Nichols would be a missing person. Suspicion would immediately fall on Mark Nichols due to his abusive behavior and his own accounts, which didn't cooperate with the accounts of others. Many in law enforcement believe that Mark is responsible for Christie's disappearance, but 32 years later, Mark has never been charged in connection with the disappearance, and no trace of Christie Joe Nichols has ever been found. This is episode 8 of the Still Unknown podcast. The Disappearance of Christy Joe Nichols. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of the Still Unknown podcast. I am your host, Joe Schwartz, and in this episode, I will be talking about a case that was featured in the first season of Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack The Disappearance of Christy Joe Nichols. This is a case that many fans of UM know and are very likely to be infuriated by. And if you've never watched this segment of Unsolved Mysteries and are unfamiliar with the case, I can pretty much guarantee that by the end of this episode, you will be infuriated as well. It's honestly very hard to not be pissed off by this case. It's a story of a young wife that was in the process of leaving her abusive husband and she just so happens to go missing, and the husband is the last known person to see her alive. And up top here, I want to mention that my primary source for this episode is a very excellent and detailed blog post written by Crystal Dawn on her website, lostandfoundblogs.com. And I will link to it in the show notes. That is lost, the letter N, foundblogs.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Uh, I cannot recommend her website enough. If you're into unsolved cases like I am, definitely check her site out. She is fantastic. I also found a recent article by the Gothenburg Leader about the case, and I will be referring to the Unsolved Mysteries segment as well, and those links will also be in the show notes. A uh, couple final things I want to mention before we dive into this case. Again, still unknown as a bi-weekly podcast with a new episode every other Monday. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and multiple other platforms. And another thing, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review and say your name and where you're from, and I will give you a shout-out on the podcast. And speaking of that, it's time for me to shout-out everyone who has left a five-star review so far. Thank you to Miles from the Forensic Miles podcast, which... You've already heard her promo in this episode, and you hear her promo every episode. If you are not listening to her yet, get on that, please. (laughs) Uh, Thank you to Abby and Shauna from the Anxious and Afraid podcast. Thank you to Jennifer from Texas. Thank you to Melissa and Jen from the Colleagues in Crime podcast. Thank you to Heath and Daphne from the Going West podcast. Thank you to Wayne and Ashley from the Slay Queens podcast. (laughs) A lot of podcasts here. Oh, we all love each other. Uh, Thank you to uh, someone with the username Chaplain Teens. Thank you to whoever you are. You did say I have a pleasant voice and I appreciate that. Thank you to Allison from the Resolved Mysteries podcast, as well as Eliza and Carlin. I love you, ladies. (laughs) Thank you to Emily from Morbidology. Thank you to Yergi and Drewby from the Misery Machine podcast. Thank you to Lauren from Parts Unknown. And last but not least... Thank you to Val from the Let Me Get a Drink podcast. That is Let Me, L-E-M-M-E, Get a Drink. (laughs) Uh, And if you want a shout out on the podcast, just leave a five star rating and review with your name and where you're from. And I will shout you out on the podcast. Now let's dive into this case. Christy Jo Williams was born on September 6, 1965. Her parents had divorced when she was young, but she grew up with a loving family that included a mother, Connie, her stepfather, Greg, brother, Corey, a sister, Cindy, as well as three stepbrothers. She graduated from Overton High School in 1983 and followed it up with a semester of college but dropping out after deciding college wasn't for her. Christy soon moved to the small town of Gothenburg, Nebraska, to live with her grandmother, Violet Williams. Not long after moving to Gothenburg, she met a man by the name of Mark Nichols. 
They were soon married and soon began a family, having a daughter, Lindsay, in December of 1984, followed by a son, Preston, in April of 1986. Christy loved being a mother and was absolutely devoted to her children. Her marriage to Mark, however, was troubled pretty much from the start. Mark was very controlling as well as abusive towards Christy. Christy would often be seen with bruises and even had to visit the ER a few times. She eventually confided to some of her close family members that Mark was abusing her. She said she wanted to leave but didn't know how to do so. She did confide to her cousin Debbie that she was definitely getting a divorce. In some letters written to Debbie, Chrissy had details had detailed Mark's controlling and abusive nature. The two cousins met up at Pete's place where Christy worked just a few weeks before she went mi- missing. During this time, Christy told Debbie something frightening. Debbie recalled Christy saying, Do you think Lindsay would be traumatized if she saw her dad stab the wall behind my head with a knife? And of course, Debbie is like, What the hell are you talking about? And Christy went on to say that she and Mark had been in a fight. And Mark had her up against the wall choking her and stabbed the wall behind her head while Lindsay came down the stairs and witnessed it. Christy was more worried for for Lindsay than herself, Debbie had remembered. Christy then lifted her shirt up and showed Debbie a huge bruise covering her left side. Debbie encouraged her cousin to leave the marriage. And Christy then said she had plans that she was going to an attorney out of town because she didn't want Mark to find out. So on December 9th, 1987, Christy did go see attorney Claude Barrickman, Claude Barrickman, who had his office about 10 miles outside of Gothenburg. Uh, Barrickman recalled just how scared Christy was and told him, She had told him she wanted a divorce but didn't have the money. Uh, After viewing the bruises on her, he said they'd go ahead and get started anyway. And he encouraged Christy to not return home to Mark and said he would call her mother so she could stay there. She declined that offer, however. And according to Berrickman, he did call the Gothenburg police and reported some instances of abuse that Christy had told him about. Christy made an appointment to come back to his office the next week. Now, something that should be noted is that the police chief, the police chief of Gothenburg, Bob Shackleton, and Mark Nichols' family were very good friends. So apparently, right after the phone call from the attorney the attorney to the police reporting the abuse Mark Nichols found out. Uh, Christy went to work that day after her legal appointment, and when she went to Mark's parents' home later that night, who had been babysitting the children while she and Mark were working, she went there to pick them up, uh, but she was told she couldn't take them. Uh, Mark had found out about the lawyer she visited and was pissed off. Christy was panicked at the thought of not having her children and contacted the police to try to file a police report. Um, But Bob Shackleton told her Mark had the right to withhold them from her. 
She was also told to leave the property, and if she returned again, she'd be arrested. And this was apparently the third time that day, that day alone, that Police Chief Shackleton had harassed Christy. He had confronted her at the Jack and Jill convenience store, according to the clerk who witnessed it. Uh, telling her something to the effect of that she needed to get her act together and work this thing out with Mark. Um, sounds like a great guy. Huh. Uh, but all Christy cared about was getting her children back. So she called her mother Connie that night about her children being taken. And Connie says that she and her husband would come right over. Christy declined, however, worried that her stepfather would do something to Mark if he encountered him. So the next day, December 10th, 1987, uh, Christy calls her mother and told her that Mark had brought the children home, but he had a ridiculous list of demands that she had to agree to in order to get them back, uh, which these demands included uh, Christy was only allowed to travel a certain number of miles. Uh, he, Mark had taken her name off of the bank accounts, so she had no money, and she had to stop the divorce proceedings. She wasn't allowed to take the children anywhere, and he told her that if she left town, she would be arrested and never see the children again. Now, since Mark was good friends with police chief Bob Shackleton, she believed that would very well happen. So she agreed to Mark's face to his demands, but secretly she was still planning to go through with the divorce proceedings. Christie then met with an abuse counselor that same day, and the meeting took place in, of all places, police chief Shackleton's office, so it's likely, again, that Mark found out about this as well. Later on that night, Christy decided to go out with Mark and the children to dinner in what was believed to be an effort to keep things calm between them. After dinner, they brought the children back home and called a babysitter to come watch the kids while Mark and Christy went back out to Pete's place, again where Christy worked. It should also be noted that Mark's uncle was the owner of Pete's place. His uncle recalls it was evident how stressful things were between them, between them that night. He said they spent a few hours playing pool and shuffleboard before the bar closed at midnight. After they left the bar, the couple was spotted at the Jack and Joe convenience store at around 12.30. According to the clerk, he said Mark did some shopping while Christy seemed very nervous and wanted to get somewhere, it seemed and she just stayed around the clerk talking to him. He said Mark bought some milk and breakfast items and they left. That would be the last time Christy Nichols was officially seen alive. Now, here's where things start to get a bit iffy. When they arrived home, 
Mark claimed that Christy came in the door a few steps ahead of him and went straight to the bathroom where she stayed for about 15 minutes and didn't talk to the babysitter, who was a teenage girl by the name of Diane Jansen. Diane herself, though, was adamant that only Mark arrived home that night. She only heard one car door, heard one set of shoes on the tile floor, and of course didn't see Christy. Mark paid her and she left. Diane, man- Diane mentioned in her interview on Unsolved Mysteries that it was unusual for Mark to pay her because Christy had always previously paid her with a check every other time she had babysat the children. In one account, Mark claims that he and Christy went straight to bed, and in another, he says that they stayed up until 2 a.m. arguing and then went to sleep. In her blog post, Crystal Dawn mentions a chilling sighting of Mark Nichols that appeared to be right around the time he returned home. This person wishes to remain anonymous. He was a teenager hanging out at the park late that night, which was right next door to the Nichols house. He spots Mark Nichols by the back of the house near his black pickup truck. Mark makes eye contact with him and starts angrily walking towards him. This teenager got scared at how Mark was approaching him and yelling at him, and he walked away not wanting any trouble. A few days later, he heard about the disappearance and realized it was the same night he had that angry encounter with Mark. Uh, The next morning, December 11th, Around 8 a.m., Connie called Christy to see how things were. Mark answered and told her that Christy was still in bed. Uh, Now, Mark says by this point he had woken up and saw that Christy was gone. So he just lied to her mother. And he said he did that because he didn't want to worry her. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Connie, of course, was skeptical of that answer. So she asked a friend of hers who worked for social services to call Mark and ask for Christy herself. So her friend called a few minutes after Connie, and Mark this time told her that Christy was out shopping. Mark then says he cleaned out his car, and once again his story differs from uh, everyone else's. Uh... At 11 a.m., Mark took the children over to Christy, Christy's grandmother's Violet house, Violet's house. I'm getting a little tongue-tied here, forgive me. <laughs> um, uh, Mark asked Violet to watch the children while he drove around looking for Christy. Uh, Violet recalled that Mark never asked her if she had heard from Christy or if she had seen her. Uh, he then claims that he spent the next two and a half hours driving around residential and shopping areas he knew Christy would frequent. Um, but there were no witnesses who could who could corroborate this. Uh, so who knows what he was really doing during this time. Uh, probably fucked off, probably disposed of the body. Uh, uh, I mean... That's just a theory, but... <coughs> Excuse me, my throat's a little scratchy. Um, apparently, uh, Mark did go try to file a missing persons report for his wife, but 
Given that she had only been missing a few hours, he was unable to do so. Uh, there were a few searches organized to help look for Christy with a few hundred volunteers, and Mark himself joined in to help the search. Oh, wait a minute. No, he didn't. Uh, he sold their Ford Pinto and Mercury Cougar after forging Christie's name on the titles. And he also moved out of the house where they lived the day after she disappeared. The f- he moved out of the house the day after she disappeared. The fuck? Okay. <laughs> Mark wanted people to believe she had left him and abandoned their children, but that is that seemed very unlikely. Uh, if she were going to flee on her own, she wouldn't have bothered to see the attorney or abuse counselor. So that doesn't... Yeah, none of it makes sense. Uh, it was also reported that Christy may have had a boyfriend around this time, and it was even stated in a newspaper article that there was a note found under the seat of Christy's car to a mystery man that read, uh, the note read, I want you to know that I will probably be leaving after Christmas, and I will try not to see or talk to you until then. It will all work out somehow. I'm really sorry. There was a name mentioned around town of someone that Christy was thought to be seeing. This man spoke with Crystal Dawn for her blog, but wished to remain anonymous. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the man, the man did say that he and Christy only went out for one time, a few weeks before she disappeared, and it was something that he regretted. He said there was nothing serious between between them, and it is unknown if he was the person the note was intended for, or if there could have been someone else. Now, here is something rather interesting. Uh, Mark Nichols' parents were pouring a concrete pad on their property in Gothenburg just a few days after Christie's disappearance. Uh, someone who was there when the project was going on said it was obvious that the sand had, quote-unquote, been messed with and had to be redone before the concrete could be poured. His parents then put a garage on top of the concrete, and it was also stated in a newspaper article that some lie had been stolen during that time from a nearby farmer's co-op. Uh, just something to think of there. Uh, who knows if it has any involvement in this case, but it's worth noting. Oh, here we go. Christie's family did everything they could to try to find her daughter. Uh, they hired a PI by the name of Dennis Whalen soon after her disappearance, who worked tireless, tirelessly to try to find her. And when he was given access to Mark and Christie's house weeks after she went missing, uh, he found under the laundry basket in their bedroom was some blood. It appeared to be a small amount, and it was cut out and sent for testing, and uh, 
Uh, Mark claimed it was menstrual blood when tests came back that it belonged to Christy. And more tests determined that it was not menstrual blood. It was at that point the state police were then brought into the case. Uh, so, Terry Aarons with the Nebraska State Police uh, was brought on and he worked very hard to try to find her. Uh, Christy's mother, Connie, believes that if they were given the case right away, it would have a resolution to it. She had grown untrusting of the Gothenburg Police Department from day one in how they handled the case. Uh, she says they treated her poorly, and she still to this day has kept every recording of her, call, of her calls with them and called them initially every day. She and her husband also depleted both of their retirement funds and spent well over $100,000 in order to try to find Christy. They did absolutely everything they could think of to try to find her. A uh, few months after Chrissy disappeared, in March of 1988, uh, there was a clue found at the Maxwell rest stop, which is about 25 miles outside of Gothenburg. A trucker found Christie's blue suitcase. Now, Mark had initially said the suitcase went missing and he listed a few other items of clothing that were missing. And the items found in the suitcase were uh, right down to the very last piece of clothing were 100% accurate to what Mark said was missing. Now, in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, when... Terry Aarons from the, from the Nebraska State Police is interviewed. He said he found that very odd because he, he said himself if his wife went, if his own wife went missing, he would probably be able to determine which suitcase went missing, but he wouldn't be able to tell you uh, what items of clothing were missing. And he found it very peculiar that, peculiar that Mark knew every last item that would be found in the suitcase. So in the suitcase had also been appeared to have been carefully placed there as if it was as if whoever left it there wanted it to be found. So soon after that, unsolved mysteries agreed to air a segment on this case and I highly recommend you go and watch this segment after listening to this episode if you haven't seen it yet. It is the first segment of Season 1, Episode 8 of the Robert Stack Episodes, available on Amazon Prime or YouTube or Tubi TV. Uh, I believe some other platform, I don't know what, but it's on YouTube. You can find it. Season 1, Episode 8 of the Robert Stack Episodes. Mark Nichols is interviewed, and it is absolutely ridiculous how he tries to proclaim that he has nothing to do with Christie's disappearance, nor is there any truth to him being abusive. And uh, here, 
Right now, I am going to play for you a clip of Mark in his interview pleading for Christy to come home. And uh, just a heads up, I recorded this with my phone off of my laptop, so apologies for the poor audio quality, but you'll still be able to hear him doing this. Want very much for Christy to come home, but uh, if for some reason she doesn't want to come home, you know, Christy, at, at least call somebody. You know, let us know where you are, whether you're all right. Does he sound convincing to you? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I I also want to shout out the Resolve Mysteries podcast uh, for. When they did their episode talking about this case, uh, they referred to him as the dead-eyed husband. And if you go and watch this segment, that could not be any more accurate. So, uh, anyway, the segment the segment prompted 150 calls to the telecenter and 15 calls to the Nebraska State Police, but nothing came of any of the tips. Initially, Mark had custody of the children. Connie and her husband continued to come every few weeks and have visits with them. And in February, when the state police got the case, they arranged for Chrissy's parents to take custody of the kids as Mark was under suspicion for his wife's disappearance. Mark was furious at his in-laws having custody and would drag them into court every few weeks for various reasons. There was even a point when Connie recorded some phone calls and she said Lindsay was hard to understand and Mark would get frustrated if he couldn't understand her on the phone so she so she was trying to help. Mark sued her for $10,000 for recording the phone calls without his knowledge. Christie's parents had to travel a lengthy distance numerous times to court because of this but before the trial officially started, the judge, the judge dismissed it on no grounds as they had custody of the children at the time and had every right to record the calls. Connie and her husband retained custody of the children while Mark got supervised visits for several months, but they were eventually put into foster care and then Mark got custody back when there were no charges forthcoming. Christie's parents did have visitation after that, but Mark kept making it increasingly difficult for them, often moving. He divorced Christie in 1990 on abandonment grounds and soon after married his third wife. He then told Christie's parents that uh, Lindsay and Preston had a mom now and didn't need to see them anymore, and Christie's parents reluctantly... Uh, to stop the children from being repeatedly questioned and harassed by Mark, thought it was best that they didn't press. According to Christie's parents, soon after Mark moved to North Platte with his children, and after marrying his third wife, he was arrested at one point and charged with domestic violence in regards to her, but there is no other information available about those charges. Attempts over the years to get authorities to open a grand jury investigation have been turned down due to lack of evidence. 
The case, however, remains open, and within just uh, within the last few months, a letter from local authorities has generated a lot of activity. It is the hope of everyone involved that the renewed attention might generate new leads, which could finally potentially solve the question of what happened to Christy. Uh, Sergeant Clint Elwood with the Nebraska State Patrol. Uh, by the way, that name is so close to Clint Eastwood, which I almost said that, but uh, no, his name is Clint Elwood. Uh, he is quoted as saying, uh, quote, just because it is considered a cold case doesn't mean we stopped working on it. This remains a collaborative effort between the State Patrol Dawson County Sheriff's Office in Gothenburg Police Department. Any information that comes in, we do follow up on it. There may have been someone who knew or heard something and was too afraid to come forward 32 years ago. That now may be willing to. Our goal is to work to find a resolution for the family and for the community. As technology advances, we are able to do things now that we weren't able to do 32 years ago, and that is exciting. Uh, yes, we have other cases, but it is still very important to us that we find a resolution in this case and give the family closure. And that need is apparent through social media postings by members of Chrissy's family. Her daughter, Lindsay, uh, posted online, quote, I would give anything to know what happened to my mother or even to just find her. I need closure. My family needs closure. And Christy's sister, Cindy, also commented on the post, She is missed and loved. Please share her story. So, what's the theory here? I'm sure it's obvious Mark is absolutely responsible for Christy's disappearance. And let's just say her death at this point. Uh, Crystal Dawn's... Uh, stated this in her blog as well, but uh, he had the means, motive, and opportunity to murder Christy. He was losing control of her. Uh, she was she was uh, going against his wishes, going through with divorce proceedings. She was threatening to take away the children. Uh, and classic controlling abuser, he couldn't allow that to happen. I mean, look, if you want if you want to entertain the theory that Christy pulled a pulled a gone girl on Mark and just disappeared on him, uh there are experts who have talked about that about uh what it takes to successfully disappear. It actually takes years and years of meticulous planning. And Christy, I mean, it's hard to believe that Christy as a 22-year-old would have had enough time to successfully plan everything, let alone the accounts of what a devoted and loving mother she was to Lindsay and Preston to just suddenly leave without warning and never try to contact them 
and the manner in which she disappeared between leaving the convenience store with Mark and then Mark coming home without her, even though he claimed she he came home with her. It, no, nothing else makes sense other than Mark, Mark killed her and is solely responsible for her disappearance and her death, uh, ultimately. Uh, and you can speculate whether, you know, given that he's good friends with the chief of police, whether or not there was a cover-up there, uh, if his parents helped to cover it up. I mean, that's all speculative and... Yet to this day, she hasn't been found, and he's never been charged due to lack of evidence. So I don't know. Uh, one final footnote I want to share on this case is that Mark Nichols has a Facebook page, and sometime back, he shared a meme on there that is supposed to be a joke about divorce lawyers. The names of these lawyers in the meme are Ditcher, Quick, and Hyde. Yeah. Now, given the circumstances of Chrissy's disappearance, that's definitely in bad taste and another bad look for Mark. So, uh, yeah. Do with that information what you will. <sighs> There's, everyone, there's nothing else left to say. I think, that's it. I, guys, I think this case broke me here. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, what, what do you think? Uh, get at me on Twitter at Still Unknown Pod or on Instagram at Still Unknown Podcasts. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are on this case and, if you haven't seen the Unsolved Mysteries segment with this, please, please, please go watch it. And watch Mark go through his interview trying to proclaim he has nothing to do with his wife's disappearance. Uh, it is just ridiculous. <laughs> there's, there's one point where his fit where his neck is like totally glazed over. It looks like he's sweating bullets at one point in the interview. Uh, it is just worth watching. Listen to him try to proclaim his innocence in just the most, as, as the girls of Resolve Mysteries put it, with just completely dead eyes and yeah I again that segment is featured in season one episode eight of the Robert Stack episodes and it is the first segment in that episode so if you haven't seen it go watch that and uh yeah let me just uh wrap this episode up by saying uh, thank you again for listening. I know I have a lot of new listeners after 
Robin Warder of the Trail When Cole played my promo on an episode of his podcast, and a huge thank you to him for that. Uh, and I'd like to welcome all you new listeners who found me through that podcast. Um, and I also want to thank, take this time to thank other podcasts that have played my promo. Uh, I want to thank, as I've mentioned before, the Ladies of Resolve Mysteries, uh, Allison, Eliza, and Carlin. Thank you, ladies, very much. Uh, thank you to my good friend, Miles, uh, who has played it in every episode of her podcast, Forensic Miles, which you've also heard her promo in every episode of this podcast, which, uh, at this point, please, seriously, go listen to her if you aren't already. Um, and one last thank you to Chris from, Chris from a podcast called Here's My Story, which I will end this episode with a promo for that podcast. Uh, Thank you, everyone, again for listening. And I will... The last thing I'll say is, uh, given the uh, difficult times that we're going through with what's going on in the world right now... uh, I know it's a hard time, and uh, it can, it can feel really lonely. And I just uh, want to thank everyone who has uh, reached out to me during this time, and I implore you to reach out to friends and loved ones during this time. We can uh, we can get through it together, and. Uh, Yeah, stay safe and stay well, and I'll talk to you next time. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris, host of the podcast, Here's My Story. Here's My Story is about opening up and talking about life's tough stuff. Depression, anxiety, chronic illness, loss of a loved one, postpartum, cancer, as well as LGBTQIA acceptance. With each storyteller, we learn that we are not alone in this world and that it's okay to talk about our problems. Like the story of Kathy Kleiner, Ted Bundy survivor, cancer survivor, and more. Stacy, who lost her husband to cancer and became a widow at the age of 37. Or Angie, a loving mother who shared her story of support and acceptance of her transgender child. Follow me at Here's My Story Pod on Twitter and Instagram. To submit a story, or if you have any questions, you can email me at Here's My Story Pod at gmail.com. And please subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you soon.